Let us pray. <clears throat> Once again, our, our Heavenly Father, we approach Thy throne in the blood righteousness of the Lord Jesus Christ. And we do ask that You would continue to watch over us and keep us Forgive us our sins. Draw us close to You. Bless us to work out our salvation with fear and trembling, knowing that it is You that work in us both to will and to do of Your good pleasure. Help us, our Father, as we Endeavor to learn the Scriptures and as we are called upon to evaluate, yea, even cast judgment upon leaders and teachers and Try the spirits to see whether they are of you or not. That we never become harsh, belligerent, and cast an unloving Spirit, as we contend earnestly for the faith that is given unto us. When there is opposition, it's easy to allow the flesh to get involved and Try to fight, and we use fight in a hopefully a good way to contend for the faith. And it, if we're not careful, we can get in the flesh, and we're more interested in being right than we are in professing holiness and godliness and contending for truth for truth's sake not for our sakes. We long for the day when this world will be behind us. When we shall be with You in that glory world worshiping eternally forever all of your saints will be of the same mind, same opinion. We'll all be of one mind and one spirit. We know that when we depart this life, we will be in the presence of the Lord 
in our souls, in our spirits. But then we know that Christ is coming back to this earth to resurrect our bodies. We know not what we shall be, but we know that when we shall see Him, we shall be like Him, for we shall see Him as He is. Again, we ask that You would help us as we continue looking into Your Word. In Jesus' name, Amen. This morning, in looking at 1 John 4, 1, we showed that there were there is such a thing as evil prophets. And then we were looking at various verses to show that there is a spirit of the prophet that uh, it's not just uh, it's not just uh, a man independent of some force behind him. We know that when God created Adam and Eve, they were sinless, but when they fell they plunged the whole human race into sin. And when we're born, we're born sinners. We don't, we're not born with a clean slate as modern psychology and philosophy try to teach. But we are born uh, dead in trespasses and in sin. And therefore... Uh, we're already prejudiced against God. And it's easy for man to maintain uh, various sorts of uh, prejudices until the Lord opens his heart. But even uh, whether it's before the Lord opens his heart or after the Lord opens his heart, there is a spirit in man that is either God conscience or not. And I don't need to say too much about that because if I do, then I'll get off into uh, two or three other <laughs> branches of theology that we don't have time uh, to get into. But we're looking at the spirit of prophecy and that prophets do, there is a spirit behind them. Uh, we... I was looking at a few passages in, uh, this morning and we didn't get through, but I want to take up in Daniel chapter 4. Daniel chapter 4. This has to do with Nebuchadnezzar and a dream that Nebuchadnezzar had. And he wanted to know the interpretation. And his wise men uh, could not make known the interpretation. But we'll take up with Daniel and without going into the whole dream and 
the interpretation and so on. We just want to get one little snippet in there. Look at verses 8 and 9. Daniel chapter 4, verses 8 and 9. But at the last Daniel came in before me, whose name was Belteshazzar, according to the name of my God. Now notice this is Nebuchadnezzar speaking. And you, you, you'll remember that Daniel's name was his Hebrew name. Daniel, or Daniel, the L part, it has to do with the God of Israel. But uh, notice that Nebuchadnezzar had renamed Daniel Belteshazzar, and he named him according to the name of my God. And... In the, uh, and in whom is the Spirit of the holy gods. And before him I told the dream, saying, O Belteshazzar, master of the magicians, because I know that the Spirit of the holy gods is in thee, and no secret trouble of thee. Tell me the vision of my dream that I have seen and the interpretation thereof. Nebuchadnezzar was mindful of the fact that he knew that the interpretation of dreams was not just given to Daniel by himself, but there had to be a spirit, as he said, of the gods. Or uh, of the, in fact, he said the holy gods. Well, we know from studying the book of Daniel, the, the spirit of God that was in him was not holy gods, but it was the God Jehovah. It was the true and the living God. But anyway, the point that I'm making in in this is that whether it's uh, God's man or whether it's the pagans, uh, we get the idea and we see that the spirit of prophecy, or there is a spirit of prophecy in other words, John tells us to try the spirits. So the, there is a spirit behind a a person that is claims to be a teacher, whether he's a false teacher or a true teacher. There, there's a spirit behind him. And of course, we know the spirit behind a true teacher is God, but a spirit behind the false teacher is not of God or simply of the devil. So we have to try that. And again, how is it that we try the spirits? It's by the Word of God. Because the authority is the Word of God. The authority is the Word of God. And even down in same chapter, drop down to verse 18. This dream, Nebuchadnezzar said, This dream I, King Nebuchadnezzar, have seen, now thou, O Belteshazzar, declare the interpretation thereof, for as much as all the wise men of my kingdom are not able to make known to me the interpretation, but thou art able, for the Spirit of, of the holy gods is in thee. The Spirit of the holy gods is in thee. Turn over to Daniel chapter 5.
Now we come to uh, Nebuchadnezzar's son, or uh, maybe actually historically grandson. But he too had something that troubled him quite a bit. But uh, let's drop down to Well, we'll start up at verse 10. As you know what took place, Belshazzar had a feast and all of a sudden he was drunk and there was a hand that came out and wrote upon the wall. And I always kind of... Thought it's quite humorous, verse six of that. It said the king's countenance was changed, and his thoughts troubled him, so that the joints of his loins were loosed, and his knees smote together one against the another. <laughs> In other words, he sobered up right quick, and he was so scared that his knees were knocking together, uh, literally, literally, not just a figure of speech. Well, uh, he wanted to know what it was all about. And his mother uh, said, mother or grandmother, maybe, uh, anyway, we're not wanting to get into all of that right now. Verse 10, Now the queen, by reason of the words of the king and his lords, came into the banquet house, and the queen spake and said, O king, live forever. Let not thy thoughts trouble thee, nor let thy countenance be changed. There is a man in thy kingdom in whom the spirit of the holy gods. In other words, she knew about Daniel. And she said, you ought to know about Daniel. That's what she's really saying. Here you are all troubled. There's, there's somebody here in the kingdom that is able to figure this out for you. Of course, if you go back and read that, every time Daniel made an interpretation known, Daniel said, it's not me, it's God. God Daniel gave the glory to God. He didn't take any on himself. But you can go back and study that and read it for yourself. But verse 10 again, Now the queen, by reason of the words of the king, and his lord came into the banquet, and the queen spake, and said, O king, live forever. Let not thy thoughts trouble thee, nor let thy countenance be changed. There is a man in thy kingdom, in whom is the spirit of the holy gods. And in the days of thy father, light and understanding and wisdom, like the wisdom of the gods was found in him, whom the king Nebuchadnezzar, thy father, the king, I say, thy father, made master of the magicians, astrologers, Chaldeans, and soothsayers. For as much as an excellent spirit and knowledge and understanding, interpreting of dreams and showing of hard sentences and dissolving of doubts, were found in the same Daniel, whom the king named Belteshazzar. Now let Daniel be called, and he will show the interpretation. But what what is it that we're still showing? What is it behind a 
prophet, there's a spirit. There's a spirit. See the true or false. And when John says in 1 John 4, 1, try the spirits. What are you trying? You're trying the prophets. And you're seeing what kind of spirit is behind that prophet. And if that prophet, or bringing over to our modern, uh, the principle into our modern uh, setting, if that preacher or teacher is teaching contrary to the Word of God, he's got a wrong spirit. It's not the true spirit. It's not the true spirit. Even dropping down to verse 14, Belshazzar said, I have even heard of thee, talking to Daniel, that the spirit of the gods is in thee, and that light and understanding and excellent wisdom is found in thee. Why was such wisdom found in Daniel? Well, true, he was a chosen vessel of God. And true, he was set up for that. But what is it that Daniel followed? He followed the Word of God. He studied the Scriptures. He did what God's Word said. When the king, later on, when the other king made a decree, Cyrus did, that no one was to pray to any other God but Him for 30 days, what did it say about Daniel? Daniel went into his house, opened his window, turned his face toward Jerusalem, and prayed as he was in a habit of doing. Why did Daniel... Turn his face towards Jerusalem. Because in Deuteronomy 28, and when Solomon dedicated the temple in, uh, I believe it's around 1 Chronicles 16. Uh, you can look that up. I won't stop to go back and look. But anyway, they said that when God had judged Israel, and they were carried off into distant lands, if they would turn their face towards Jerusalem and pray and repent of their sins, God would heal them and restore them back to their land. So why was Daniel praying towards Jerusalem? He was doing what God had said. Well, why did he do that? Because he had been studying the Word of God. He knew what God's Word said. He was a true prophet. You see, trying the spirits is not some... What's the word I'm looking for? It's not some uh, mystical, esoteric, concept 
that you might dream up and say, well, I think or I believe. No, it's what does God's Word say? And you don't look at what God's Word and say and say, well, it really doesn't mean what it says. It means something else. No, what does it say? What does it say? When it said, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, that's what it means. You don't have to make up it. You don't have to say, well, I believe that was millions of years that God did it. It didn't say that. Say, well, I believe there was a prehistoric race before Genesis 1-1. It didn't say that. Oh, well, I believe God did it by evolution. It didn't say that. It said God created. And He created everything out of nothing. And that's part of the Gospel. Revelation 14, I'm getting ahead of myself. But Revelation chapter 14 talks about this angel that came down from heaven saying with a loud voice, Revelation 14, 7, Fear God, give glory to Him, for the hour of His judgment has come, and worship Him that made heaven... Excuse me, I need to read verse 6. And I saw another angel fly in the midst of heaven, having the everlasting gospel, to preach to them that dwell on the earth and to every nation and kindred and tongue and people, saying, Fear God, give glory to Him, for the hour of His judgment has come, and worship Him that made heaven and earth and the sea, and the fountain of waters. You're not preaching the gospel, the true gospel, if you're if you're trying to preach evolution or anything else like that too. See, I don't I don't have to back up and say, well, that's just your opinion. That's what the Bible says. That's what the Bible says. In fact, when you read, I would give this challenge to you. As you're reading through the Bible, notice how often when it talks about God saying something, God that made the heavens and the earth, God that created the universe, God that this, God that... It'll, you, you see that all the way through from Genesis to Revelation over and over and over and over again. How is it that we're justified? We're justified by the blood of Christ. Period. How is it that we're redeemed? By the death of Christ. Period. Nothing else. Nothing else that saves us. Only the person and work of Christ. Salvation is of the Lord from first to last, beginning and end. Say, well, we're supposed to do this, that, or the other. Yes, there's a lot of things we're to do. 
but that doesn't save us. We're commanded to not forsake the assembling of ourselves together in the house of the Lord. But that doesn't save us. That doesn't remove our sins from us. It's only the blood of Christ that does that. So, well, why do it? Because God said so. And, well, I need to get, get back to the task at hand. Look at 1 Corinthians chapter 14. First Corinthians chapter 14. Verses 1 and 2. Follow after charity and desire spirituals, actually spiritualities. If you'll notice, gift is in italics, showing that it was added by the translators. I don't have, really have any problem with it, but, but rather that ye may prophesy. For he that speaketh in a tongue, notice the unknown is in italics, a tongue, without having to prove this, all a tongue is is just another language. In other words, uh, uh, when Brother uh, Sergei was here from Russia, uh, he probably knew enough English that he spoke in English, didn't he? But when he first came to America, uh, they had to have an interpreter. And when uh, Brother Herb and Brother Ray went to uh, Mongolia uh, back in August and met with the Russian brethren there, uh, they had to have some interpreters. In fact, they went to <laughs> they went to a Mongolian worship service. Uh, well, a worship service where uh, the, the preacher was preaching in Mongolia. And so they had an interpreter that was interpreting what he said from Mongolian to English. But for the Russian brethren, there was another interpreter there that was interpreting it into Russian. <laughs> so they had two interpreters going along at the same time. So the Brother Ray and Brother Herb laughed about talking about said, "Boy, we sure had a lot of tongue speaking." <laughs> but that's all. That's all tongues is is another language. Uh, I mean, just study Acts chapter two should be enough. But anyway, like I said, I don't, I don't have time to. I could preach two or three sermons on that to show the distinction. For he that speaketh in a tongue. Speaketh not unto men, but unto God, for no man understandeth him, howbeit in the Spirit he speaketh mysteries. If I were, for example, 
Well, I'll just be a smart aleck here for a minute for, for uh, teaching's sake. Brashit barra elohim hashamayim v'haretz. That doesn't tell you anything, does it? It means nothing to you. So if somebody comes along and they're speaking in another language, that doesn't do me any good. When Brother Sergey uh, would be here and he, if he just uh, came and uh, spoke to us in Russian, or Brother uh, Guna would come and speak to us in Indian, I just well go to sleep. Wouldn't do me any good. Say, well, he may be preaching the truth. He may be, but it doesn't do me any good because I, I don't understand it. But it might do him some good because in his spirit, he's speaking to God, provided he's a true prophet. So you can see that he's talking about he said, how be it in the Spirit he speaketh mysteries. But he's not speaking anything to me. He could be speaking mysteries and it wouldn't do me any good. Of course, Paul goes on to say in this epistle, if there's not an interpreter, then a person can't speak in tongues. In other words, if uh, say you've got a congregation and uh, Bill Smith in the congregation is known to be an interpreter. And somebody comes and they want to speak and they look around and if Bill Smith is not there, then they can't speak. That's what uh, later on Paul says in, in, in this chapter. In fact, let, uh, drop down in ver- uh, chapter 14. Uh, verse 26. How is it then, brethren, when you come together, every one of you hath a psalm, hath a doctrine, hath a tongue, hath a revelation, hath an interpretation? Let all things be done unto edifying. If any man speak in a tongue, let it be by two, or at the most by three, and that by course, and let one interpret. But if there be no interpreter, let him keep silent in the church or the congregation. Let him not let him speak to himself and to God. Notice what he says there. If there's any tongue speaking, if somebody has different language, it cannot be more than three that speak. And then it's got to be one at a time. It's not three people speaking at the same time. And out of the three that would speak, there's only one person that to do the interpreting for all three. See, that's just plain as day is what it says. But somebody said, well, I, you know, I, the Spirit came on me and I just have to say something. I can't hold it back. Notice verse 32. And the spirits of the prophets 
are subject to the prophets. It didn't say the prophets are subject to the spirits. It didn't say that, well, you know, I've got this feeling this just came on me. I just have to say something. I couldn't help it. No, you can't help it because the spirit of the prophet is subject to the prophet. I've been in meetings where people would give up and stand up and give a testimony. Two, three, four, five. You know, everybody said, well, I just have to say something. No, they didn't have to say anything. After the third person speaks, and I'm talking about just in public uh, uh, speaking in a congregation uh, and uh, uh, even in a testimony, after the third person has spoke, spoken, everybody else needs to be quiet. He said, well, I, ha- I've got- I had to say something. No, you didn't. The spirit of the prophet is subject to the prophet. This idea that the Spirit takes me over and, and I just can't help it. I've got to do this. I've got... No, you don't either. What you have to do is to obey the Word of God and be limited to the Word of God. That way everything will be done decently and in order. But then he goes on down and says, let the women be silent. Because not permitted to, for them to speak, <clears throat> because they are under obedience. That doesn't go along good with modern day thinking, it does it. <clears throat> but I didn't make up the rules; God did, and we're to follow them whatever the consequences are. But the point these verses tells us that there is a spirit of prophecy in the prophet, whether it's a good spirit or a bad spirit. Try the spirits. How do you try the spirits? By what the person does and says. Is it in line with the Word of God? You say, well, you keep saying that. Yes, and I'm going to keep saying it. Because in the day in which we live, people people are not, uh, as a general rule, people don't go by what they think or by what a, a, an authority says. I say, what do you feel about something? Or if, there, or if a movie or a program is on, even with the news, what do people normally say? Trust your heart. You can't trust your heart. Jeremiah tells us the heart is deceitful and desperately wicked. You can't trust your heart, but you can trust the Word of God. You can trust the Word of God. God even gives a spirit of craftsmanship. 
Look at Exodus chapter 31. Exodus chapter 31. Picking up in the first verse, And the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, See, I have called by name Bezalel, the son of Uri, the son of Hur of the tribe of Judah. And I have filled him with the Spirit of God, hmm, in wisdom and in understanding and in knowledge and in all manner of workmanship. Drop over to chapter 35 of Exodus. Verse 30, And Moses said unto the children of Israel, See, the Lord hath called by name Bezalel, the son of Uri, the son of Hur, of the tribe of Judah, and he hath filled him with the spirit of wisdom, uh, spirit of God, in wisdom, in understanding, and in knowledge, and in all manner of workmanship, and to devise curious works, to work in gold and in, in silver and in brass and in the cutting of stones, to set them and in carving of wood, to make any manner of cunning work. And he hath put in the heart, we could probably say spirit there too, but anyway, that he may teach both he and Holiab, the son of Ahisamach of the tribe of Dan. Them hath he filled with the wisdom of heart to work all manner of work after the engraver and of the cunning workmanship and, and the embroider, uh, embroiderer uh, in blue and in purple, in scarlet and in fine linen, and of the weaver, even of them that do any work, and of those that devise cunning work. Well, uh, how do I know that this this talent that I have is of God or not? Are you using it to the glory of God, or are you using it for self uh, self advancement? In other words, if we're taking the talents that God has used has given us and we're using them for self advancement then our we're and we can say by how they're using that talent that God has given them that they're not they're not following the scriptures they are of another spirit see taking the principle not not just the immediate interpretation of the verse, but taking the principle of this, we can see, beloved, that whatever talent that you have, you're either using that to the glory of God or not. We need to try our own spirits. We need to try and use what God has given us. And we need to increase that if at all possible. 
Grow in grace and in knowledge. I'll uh, forgive me of using myself for an example. It's the only thing I can think of right now. I wasted the first 14 years of my life in school. I'm talking about the first 14 years of school life, not till the age of 14. I'm talking about I wasted up until my junior year of college. And even when I graduated from college, I read Pilgrim's Progress in Modern English and I didn't even know what the word piety meant. But after the Lord really turned me around and I got to studying His Word, God blessed me to learn a few things. Use the dictionary quite often. Even get grammar books down and read and study in order to better understand the Word of God. You see, you can increase the talents that God has given you. I'm still very low on the run of the ladder compared to a lot of folks, but thankfully, by God's grace, I'm not what I used to be. That's what I mean by the fact that you can increase the gifts that God, the talent that God has given you. See, I had a very low grade average. In fact, at the end of my sophomore year, I'm not bragging. I'm just stating the facts. I'm ashamed of my first 14 years. But at the end of my sophomore year, I had a 193 overall grade point average. Well, you had to have a two-point to be a junior. So I had to go to summer school and take some chemistry over and some English over and raise my grades up to I had a 2.01. So I could go ahead and be a junior. But by the time of my senior year, I was working 15 hours a week in the ag department. I took 15 quarter hours I audited six hours of st statistics and I was married at that time in my senior year I had a 3.56 grade point average in other words God blessed me to increase and start using what he had given me See, I wasted it for the first 14 years of schooling. As long as I passed, I didn't study. That's all I cared about, just passing and going on. I wonder how many Christians, and I wonder sometimes now about myself, how much time do I waste? instead of spending it in the Word of the Lord to know what the Word of God teaches. 
Beloved, we are accountable to God. We are to try the spirits. And we have to be able to know what the Bible says in order to try the spirits. In other words, do we study the Bible more than we read books or watch programs? Or fill our lives up with entertainment? No wonder Christianity is in such a low ebb. By God's grace, I hope to encourage us all. I'm talking about the principle behind trying the spirits. Because you've got... I, I just... I don't know how to say it any better. So I keep saying the same thing. You've got to know the Word of God. And I can't do it for you. And you can't do it for me. Too many people say, well, the preacher says this and I believe the preacher. That's not good enough. You say, well, what if it's right? It's still a second-hand faith. It's got to be in you. By the operation of the Holy Spirit. Well, obviously there were false prophets in the Old Testament. And one that comes to mind, and I'm just going to give an overview. We'll come back and look at it more specifically, Lord willing, next time. But one that comes to mind is Balaam. Balaam prayed to Jehovah. We can verify that in studying the book of Numbers. God answered Balaam. Balaam prayed. God answered Balaam. Balaam prophesied the truth. But Balaam was a false prophet. Jude, I mean, Second Peter tells us that. Balaam was a false prophet. Now notice, he prayed to God, he spoke the truth, but he loved money And he he taught the children of Israel, taught the uh, uh, children of Israel to sin through whoredom. I wonder how many preachers today that don't teach and preach about Christians dressing like they ought to and conducting themselves in such a way as they ought. How much, and they they won't teach against uh, immodest apparel 
Because if they do, they'll lose their place and they'll lose their money. I know of one, uh, uh, I'll be kind, I won't call his name, but if I called his name, uh, probably everyone here would know, uh, have heard something about him. But a very, very, very popular so-called modern preacher, uh, if he doesn't get enough money, he won't go there and preach. I know of one place where he went, and when they asked, tried to get him to come back, he said, no, he wouldn't come back because he didn't get enough money. And he's supposed to be a sound, orthodox preacher by all of Christianity. Well... It's just hard for me to think anything other than a false prophet. You say, well, you could be wrong. I could be wrong. That's God's business. I'll leave that up to God. Because I can't... uh, All I can go on is what I know and, and, uh, and I can only tell you that uh, I won't mind telling you in private, uh, who the man's name is. But I withdraw it. I won't do it publicly because uh, I just leave that up to God. That's... But, but my question is, what do you do with a person like that? Based on the Scriptures. Based on the Scriptures. And I see more and more of our own congregations where young people and even older people attending the house of the Lord with their jeans and their shorts on and every other such thing. It just keeps going more and more and more. Of course, I'm just an old mean fuddy-duddy and have been called that for years, but... uh, The house of God is to be a place of respect. And I'm not talking about the building, though it be included in building. I'm talking about where the congregation meets. If they all happen to, if a congregation happened to be that they just meet in somebody's living room, well, that's where the congregation is. That's where they ought to conduct themselves. Of course, I've been preaching along this line for over 50 years. Well, well. But notice, Balaam prayed. He preached. God heard his prayer. And he even did what God told him to do in many ways. And he said, I can't, I can't curse whom God has blessed. But he was a false prophet. Oh well. Let's pray. My Father, 
as I said earlier, we don't want to have the wrong spirit and the wrong attitude with regard to people. And yet we want to be true to Your Word. And frankly, sometimes I just don't know what to say. And I'm thankful that ultimately it all boils down to You. And I identify with Paul in, as he wrote to the Corinthian saints where Paul said, I don't even judge my own self. I know that I stand or fall or I only stand by Your grace. And if You leave me to myself, I too would fall. So we want to be true to Your Word. We want to squeeze all the truth that we can out of these verses because we believe that there's a need. If I'm overzealous, I pray that You would enlighten me and bless me to repent of that. But we do believe that it is a great need. And I pray that You would bless us to contend earnestly for the faith at all cost. And I even hesitate to say that because I know how weak I am. Lead us not into temptation. Deliver us from evil. For Thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory, both now and forever. In Jesus' name, Amen.